0: I see some familiar faces out there. That's great. Uh, My name's Bruce Sloan, and it's good to be with you. I'm always humbled when somebody asks me to preach. And, of course, this is a very unique occasion. Glendale Baptist Church is in what we would consider, and I'm sure you would consider, a transition. And, uh, you know, the older I get, the more I don't like change. Uh, You know, I have one basic color, and you can see I'm wearing it. And uh, so I'm I'm pretty much... uh, Set in my ways. Now the problem with that is that sometimes change is painful and we don't like that and you've been blessed uh, to have Pastor Kent and Debbie with you these past years and I know you're a better people because of it. I know this community has been blessed because of that but you know God moves us at times we least expect it and so we need to be thankful for that. So one of my responsibilities is to assist our churches in region four which is from Salem to the borders south and east and west and we have about 70 churches that cooperate in region four and you're one of those that cooperates with the northwest baptist convention so it's my privilege to be with you today i bring you greetings from dr randy adams our executive director who says that we're committed to assist you in this process to discover what god already knows isn't that great god is not surprised god already knows who the next person is for this flock to be your shepherd. So it's a joy for me again to be with you. Some of you might not know this, but this was my first pastorate uh, back, uh, gosh, it's been uh, a long time ago. Some of you were just children, if I recall, and uh, so that's exciting. But uh, in October of 1973, I was a student at Western Baptist College studying for the ministry, and Maurice McDowell was a deacon here, and O'Neill Gossett, and so they my dad was ordained as a deacon the same day Maurice was, and so we lived here from 1941 to 1957, and I was born in Grants Pass. Isn't that great? Anybody else born in Grants Pass? Amen. So that's why we speak with a southern accent, even though my, <laughs> we're from southern Oregon, and even though my folks are from Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plain, I I learned to love uh, good old collard greens and all that stuff. Poke salad. Anybody know what poke salad is? Yeah, good stuff. Well, anyway, today I want to talk to you a little bit about some encouraging things. And if you have your Bible, turn to Exodus if you would. We're going to look here at Exodus chapter 14. But there's a couple verses I'm going to share with you. And as we think about that, I just want you to know there's times that we're put in situations that we least expect it. The cliche most of the time is, you know, when our back's against the wall. Which really, that is a cliche that means that we've kind of run out of options, that really we're in a position that we don't want to be because there's pressure. There's pressure coming from maybe many directions, and yet it seems to be that we're backed in a corner. And so when somebody says uh, we're up against the wall, that means that, gosh, we're looking for a way to escape or a way to be rescued or a way to maintain or a way to go forward forward. And here's the question. Glendale Baptist Church is a place that God inhabits because you're his people. This building is not the church you are. And so God's given us an opportunity today to consider what he wants to teach us in relationship to moving forward. Even though it seems that our options are limited. Even though it seems that we're having difficulty. But if you look at Exodus chapter 14, the verses are up here on the screen. And I just want to read them with you. And I think it's interesting because as we think about that, here's the. did you show the picture of the Red Sea? Did I miss that? There it is. We're going to talk about how the children of Israel were leaving Egypt and how that they really uh, came to the point where they, uh, Pharaoh was coming after them. They had no place to go, and bam, they were out of options. And so what do you do when your back's against the wall? So let's read this passage here in Ephesians, and this is from the English Standard Version, which I think is pretty clear. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for us today for the Egyptians. Interesting. Whom you see today, you shall never see again. Now look at verse 14. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Now in a Baptist church, that's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> it's hard for us to be silent silent. Be still and, and listen to the voice of God because we're, we're people that like to move. We're, like, we're people that like to move forward. And so I understand that. But notice this passage. Let me read it again. And Moses said to the people, number one, fear not. We're going to talk about that. Number two, stand firm. Number three, see God's salvation, which he will work for you today. Interesting. Their backs against the wall. And he says, not only that, but the Egyptians you see today... <clears throat> You'll never see again. And then lastly, he says, be silent. So there's four things from this passage that I want to kind of dig into a little bit. We want to kind of mine this to see what God is saying to us today. But would you join me as we pray together, shall we? Let's ask God's prayer on today. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your goodness to us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be a part of this worship experience today. I want to thank you for the investment this church made in a a young preacher boy, Lord, years ago. And God, I recognize that this church taught me what it meant to be a pastor, taught me what it meant to love people. And God, I recognize right now they're sheep without a shepherd, but yet, Lord, you're the great shepherd, and so we know that in your time and for your glory, you have the right person in place. So, God, I pray for that person as they're dealing with you and as you're dealing with them. And, Lord, I pray that you will speak to their heart and give them clarity. Lord, I know it's kind of a holy discontent, and yet we know that you're big enough to take care of it. Lord, help this church to see from this example of the fact that it seemed like the Israelites had no hope, no way out. Lord, you showed up in a big way. God, help us to learn from that today. And, God, we want to give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing is fear not. If you look up on the screen, I recognize that the words here in Exodus chapter 14 following verse 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Now, here's Bruce's translation. Stop your whining. Stop. Just be quiet. You guys need to stop it and get moving. Now, I know some of us have never been there when it comes to whining, especially as a child. I mean, we were the perfect children. But when you think about the people of Israel, it seemed like every time God moved in their lives, they had a problem with it. They were unhappy. And yet God is delivering the people after 400 plus years of bondage. He's raised up a leader named Moses. He's moving the, church, or the people forward. And God is saying to them, why are you guys constantly complaining? I know that Pharaoh's army is there. I know the sea is at your back. I know it seems like you have no hope. But literally, stop crying. Stop whining. Move forward. Look at verse 16. Pick up your staff and raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And when my glory is displayed through them, All Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. See, God had a plan. We don't always know the end of the story, but God does because he's the author of the story. And so one thing about this passage that is so exciting to me and I think hopefully should give you some new hope is the fact that in the midst of difficulty, God never leaves us. He's with us and he already has an escape for us. So when you think about looking for that new shepherd, that new leader that God has in store, understand God wants you to say, don't complain, don't cry, don't whine. Just get up and move. Move knowing that he is leading the charge. Move knowing that you're secure in him. The problem is most of us want to do things our way in our time. Notice this picture up here. Here's Moses, a great painting. Here's Moses standing on the rock raising his staff and of course you could see that the Red Sea begins to part. Wow. So God says first of all, "Fear not." But also notice this next slide. Here I've got Deuteronomy for you a passage as well as Isaiah. Look what it says. "The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid and do not be discouraged." So let me ask you a question. Here's your chance to talk back with the pastor. What does discouragement look like to you? How are you discouraged the most? Any ideas? Yes, sir. Stress. Stress. It's because many times we don't like the circumstances of the moment. Or we can't control it. Now, my wife Susan couldn't be with us today because our grandson is flying in today and he's visiting George Fox University where we live in Newburgh and he's visiting Corbin University which is my alma mater and he's visiting Linfield because he's a baseball player and he's trying to get a scholarship and he graduates this next May. But, but Susan will tell you point blank that, that guys, Bruce loves me but he's a control freak. Literally. So I really have issues about control. You see, i like to be in charge. Anybody here, gentlemen, want to raise your hand and confess? Yeah. So when I can't seem to control it, guess what? I get stressed out to the max. Now, can you picture Moses? Moses has got this multitude of people. Some say as many as 2 million people. Could be even more than that. And he's responsible for that herd of people... And Pharaoh has now been hardened. His heart's been hardened by the Lord. and He's going after the children of Israel. Why? Because he's repented the fact that he himself let something good go away because they were slaves. And yet God says, hey, don't worry about it. I'm going to show my glory even through. Matter of fact, these, these Egyptians you'll never see again after today. But Moses was crying to the Lord. Oh, me, oh, my God, what have you gotten me into? And pardon my vernacular, God said, shut up. Just shut up and get up, tell the people to move, raise up that staff, point it over the Red Sea, and God said, I'll take care of the rest. Have you ever been in a place like that where you really had no exit And yet God showed up in a big way. And so when you think about the shepherd, God wants you to understand that he's already at work. He's already in the process. And he said, don't be afraid. Look at Isaiah 41. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, here's my problem. I forget that. I'm so self-confident at times that I can simply say, Hey, God, come on, follow me. Lord, I got a great idea. Come follow me. And the Lord says, wait a minute. When did the creation tell the creator what to do? So church, hear me. It's not that we want God to follow us. We want to follow him. Amen. We want to hear his voice. We want to do his will. And there's times that God intentionally, now catch this, intentionally puts our back against the wall because only then do we cry out. And only then does God many times answer and say, okay, that's enough. It's time to get up, be quiet, and get moving. And I'll show you my glory. That's an awesome experience. To know that God loves you so much that He wants to give you His glory. Notice this next slide as well. 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul says this. I think this is rich because he's writing to this young preacher boy named Timothy. And he says, and I know that Know that the same faith, talking about Eunice, his mother and his grandmother at Lois. He says, I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to, to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. You see, Timothy became a believer and yet Paul set him apart for ministry and he laid his hands on him. And the scripture says literally that God gave him a spiritual gift, which we believe is communicating the gospel. Preaching. Look at verse seven. I've underlined it. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's the New Living Translation. I like that. See, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. You see, during those moments of stress, brother, is when I become the most fearful. Because I'm not in charge, I'm not in control, and I don't like what I'm seeing happening. I'm afraid of the consequences will not be what I want. The outcomes won't be what I desire. And yet God says, get over it. Get over it. Because it's not about what you want, it's not about your outcomes, it's about what I desire to happen. And first of all, many times my outcomes are better than yours. matter of fact, my outcome brings glory to me, not to you. Very interesting that we think that. So he says, first of all, fear not. But secondly, he says, stand firm. Look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. The Greek tense has this connotation of a tree that's deeply rooted. That the roots go so deep that even famine... Even drought, even the strongest wind cannot uproot that tree. And saints, hear me, our roots run deep in Christ. And as we spend time in His Word, as we spend time in prayer and seeking His face and fellowship together, God deepens and strengthens us. Very interesting that Paul says that we're to stand firm. He says, "'Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord.'" Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Can I just make a side note? Let me chase this rabbit and fry it. We hear a lot of people say, well, yeah, but. You know, I love Jesus, but I really don't like the people at church. Wow. That's a scary thought. I love Jesus, but I don't like his church. Well, friends, Jesus died to establish his church so that we could bust the gates of hell wide open. That's why we're here. We have that co-mission with Christ. And so Paul reminds us that whatever you do, we're not doing in vain. And as this church seeks to find God's voice and God's man in his time, that is not wasted labor. That's not ministry in vain. But it's obedience. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 16, Be on your guard and stand firm in the faith and be courageous and be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Now, my problem (laughs) is I want to be strong in myself, but God is teaching me more and more that faith is dependence. Faith is trusting in Him, even though we don't know the next chapter. Interesting. You know, I drive up and down the highway 30,000 miles a year. I cover two-thirds of the state of Oregon, and there's been times I've seen accidents that I wish I'd never seen. And most of the time, it's because people are distracted. That's why, guys, again, you've seen it on TV, don't text and drive. Don't, I mean, get a hands-free for your phone if you're going to. I mean, don't put your life or somebody else's life in jeopardy. My goodness, that's foolish. So what caused the distraction? This little phone here that we value so much distracts us because we think that what's coming is more important than our own life. Wow. Don't lose your life over a text that somebody is telling you what they had for lunch. Amen? I don't care what you had for lunch. Don't text me. I don't want to see it on Facebook. I don't really care what movie you saw. What I really care about is where you're going to spend eternity. So be strong. Stand firm. Notice these next verses in Philippians. Paul again writes, Therefore, my brothers, when I love and uh, excuse me, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, thus in the Lord, my beloved. You know the church at Philippi had issues; they were under persecution for their faith. And Paul says, "I love you guys." He says, "I want you to stand firm. You're my beloved." First, uh, Second Thessalonians, Paul again writes the church at Thessalonica. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Paul says, guys, look. God intends us to be people who not only stand firm in life, but also who are not afraid to stand firm. That we're courageous, even in the midst of difficult, even when our back is against the wall, even when the enemy is right in our face. God is saying, don't be afraid. He's saying, stand firm. It's important. By the way, the traditions we teach are based on Scripture. The The traditions that we speak are founded on experience. And that's why teaching is so valuable. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have fellowships. That's why we have retreats, brother, even though I believe we should advance in those retreats. Amen? Yeah. yeah. Because why? We're equipping, we're putting on that whole armor of God. So the scripture teaches us here God says, don't be afraid. God says, stand firm. And then, thirdly, he says, let God work. I mentioned to you my stress factor. God, let me help you. Matter of fact, Lord, if you'll just bless what I'm doing. Matter of fact, Lord, if you'll just let me take the lead, I'm sure it'll do better than what you could do. Woo! very risky position. But notice here in Exodus 14, verses 21 to 22. Moses stretches out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Now, I'll be honest, I can't point to you exactly where this crossing took place. Some people say it was the Reed Sea, which was amazing. It was uh, about a half mile wide and about eight inches deep. I love what Maurice McDowell said one time. Well, that's kind of cool. God drowned all of Pharaoh's army in eight inches of water. That's pretty cool. So God can do anything. And so when you think about this passage, Moses literally stretches out his hand. And what God says here, literally, is that, hey, I am going to work all night long. I'm thinking about that. You know, God could have said dry land, and it would have been dry land. But, you know, the Jews seem to need signs and wonders and miracles. Kind of like what we need. And I love this text. Because, literally... The Lord drove the sea back. Notice what it says. The waters were divided, verse 22. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. I have no idea how big that was. Even if it was six inches of water, it still had to back up, amen? So it could have been, and you know, I'm not that tall. I mean, 80% of the world is taller than me. I'm okay with that. But you know, that's a lot of water. And God let them walk across on dry land. Notice this next verse here in Exodus 14 verses 30 to 31. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. Remember the Lord said you'll never see these guys again. Don't worry about it. I've got it. You think your back is against the wall? You think there's no hope? There's no future? There's no direction? God says wait a minute. Stop crying. Don't be afraid recognize that I'm at work and recognize that you need to stand firm and that's important so the scripture teaches us to let God work very important that day the Lord saved Israel the Bible says and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead verse 31 and when the Israelites saw the mighty hand the Lord displayed against the Egyptians the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses his servant Uh, I'm going to ask you a simple question What gives you the greatest fear right now? What is it that causes us to lay awake at night? Maybe it's for us, it's control. Amen, brother? I mean, my wife didn't do what I wanted her to do, right? Well, hey, somebody told me this. Maybe it was Ray Vaughn at the men's retreat. You know, when a woman asks what, it's not because she didn't hear you. She wants to make sure you heard her. I don't know about you, Brother Shepherd, but that'll preach, and that's painful. Amen? Now, when a man says what, it's because we weren't listening. It's that simple. All right? So it's kind of interesting when you compare that. So the problem with us, guys, is sometimes it takes us longer to hear God's voice than our wives do. And that's why, ladies, listen to me. You are the completer of your husband because, let's face it, we're a peg-leg prayer warrior without you. So God wants us to understand that. Very important. So the question is, Glenda Baptist Church, are you going to let God work? Are you going to let God have his way? And the people here feared God and respected him. And most of all, notice it says here in Exodus 14, they put their trust in him and in Moses. Moses. Now surveys say, this is Christian surveys, it takes a pastor anywhere from three to five years To gain the trust of a church body. Can you believe that? Three to five years before the church will trust Him. And most of the time, they won't even consider Him their shepherd because they question how long He'll stay. And sadly, most pastors stay 28 months. So there's some reason for that. There's some reason why churches have short tenured pastors. And there's reasons why churches don't trust their pastor. Because they've been hurt. Now guys I want you to know something. You've had a good man. You've had a great pastor's wife. And listen carefully. You can't go out and find another Kent and Debbie. Because they're the only two like that. They're just Kent and Debbie. But you are. And you can Find God's person. Amen? That's the key. So don't try to control it. Don't try to get stressed out. But let God work. Notice this next slide here in Isaiah 52. The Lord will lay bare His holy arm in the sight of all nations. And all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Well, oh, I love that verse. You know, not only did Egypt know that God was real, but the world of that day knew that God was real. Because listen, folks, that story spread throughout the known world of that day about the Red Sea and about Pharaoh's army being swallowed up. And literally what God said happened. They would never see those Egyptians again after that. Notice also here in Romans chapter 8, another special verse. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? All right. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, then your face ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Amen. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then your face ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Are you ready, Baptists? If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. Oh, come on. (laughs) If you're happy, here's your chance, kids. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then your face it ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. All right, get it? Boy, you guys woke up. Hallelujah. It's what it's amazing what music can do, brother. Don't ever forget that. Some of you had lost back there somewhere in the Red Sea. But you came back. So let God work. Don't be afraid. Stand firm. Let God work. And then fourthly, here's the difficulty for a Baptist. Be silent. <laughs> for ladies, now, I'm not picking on you. But you have a tremendous amount of words in your vocabulary. Somebody said 25,000 words a day you're willing to spew. I mean, share. <laughs> Boy, that was a slip. I'll never be back again, will I? Don't invite that guy back. He's kind of harsh. Guys have maybe 600 words. Uh, uh, food, water, drink, uh, TV, football. We have a very limited vocabulary. But ladies, you're rich. Now, the problem is most men don't listen well. I are one. What? What? Okay, look, look what this says now. Look at this passage here in Exodus 14. God's speaking. Notice, <laughs> Pharaoh's armies in their face, red seas in their back. Catch what this says. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Wouldn't you? I mean, here's Pharaoh's army, 600 chariots. Wow. I mean, he's going to make mincemeat meat out of all those people. And he's going to take the healthy ones and make them slaves again. Look at verse 11. They said to Moses, now this is interesting. Now, Baptists, listen, we tend to do this. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt? I can see the sarcasm. That you brought us to the desert to die? Moses, you scoundrel. Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt that you have to bring us out here? By the way, there's no evidence in the desert because guess what? You can't Put a marker in the desert. By two days later, it's blown away. They don't stop there. Look what it says. Listen to this. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Now, some of you are asking that question about Pastor Kent and Debbie leaving. God, what have you done to us? Now, can I say this without you throwing a hymn book at me? That was the best thing for Kent and Debbie and the best thing for you. Yeah yes so instead of crying and whining let's give thanks amen let's give thanks that God has a bigger plan that includes us and God has a plan for Kent and Debbie And I don't know what he was thinking going to Poland I mean I've got tons of Polish jokes but I couldn't share them but anyway uh, I'm sure you have them too so don't throw your hymn book okay but God wants us to understand that He is in charge. Look at what it says here. Verse 12 of this passage here in Exodus 14. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Now listen to this. And I want an amen if you agree with it. You can't recapture the past. I mean, I used to be 190 pounds of solid muscle. Yeah. Now I am twice that and pretty soft. But I'm kind of fluffy, though I'm stuffy. You get it? <laughs> so things have changed. And you know, I look at my high school grad, and I almost put it up there, but I didn't want you to think I was vain. I, I, and it was black and white, by the way, it was that long ago. But I almost put up my senior class picture, and dude, I, I mean, I used to be good looking. I mean, that's what Susan told me. But now she says, honey, in, in old age it's just nice to have your presence. Okay. So this hunkah honk of burning love, the fire went out, and now it's just my presence. So I'm a piece of charcoal. Amen. Some of you, you get it. Poor old Bruce stop your crying just shut up get over yourself bruce and get on with it raise up that staff and go to work and church that's what i'm saying to you god has his purpose in his time for his glory and guess what you're on the menu but it's not you it's him that intends to be glorified notice this next passage of scripture here in exodus 14 And Moses said to the people, fear not and stand firm. We've already looked at this. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Notice who's doing it. Not them, not Pharaoh, but God. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you'll never see again. And the Lord will fight for you and you should be silent. Gosh, I want to fix it, God. Lord, I want to pull out my sword. I want to pull out my AK-47. God, I want to... I mean, I, they're not going to take me without a fight. And God says, be still. Now hear me, saints. The devil's going to do his best to destroy this church. And in the leadership vacuum, there's always ugly heads that pop up who have an agenda that's not always God's agenda, but it's because it's what we want. And most of the times, it's because we remember the way it used to be. Let it go. Remember the movie Frozen? Let it go. You'll never be there again. God has something better for you. And even though we remember the past, it teaches us of the value of today and the blessings of tomorrow. I've got a lot of scars, folks, from a lot of stupid things I've done. I guarantee you, I don't want to go back and repeat it. Do you? I don't want to go back and just say, hey, that was, you know, that was cool. I love that commercial where people run into the door with a plate. You know, I forget what it's about, but you've seen it on television. I mean, commercials is really what I'm interested in. Not the TV, because that stinks. But the commercials are great. Because they teach something about life. And God here is saying, be silent. Notice this next slide, too. Here we have in Psalm 46.1. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Notice what it says. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is what? Fortress. Fortress. I have twin brothers who were born after we left Glendale in 1957. They were born in 58. Their names are Don and Ron. And when they were in high school, their senior years, I'm seven and a half years older than them. But now they're both in law enforcement and they're both six foot two and about... 360 pounds and when I'm with them people think we're triplets but one fellow said to me when I was in Fred Meyer we're shopping for clothes you know here's these mountains of guys and he says man you guys favor are you triplets I said no those guys are twins but I was born seven years before them he looked at me and said what he said well you know it must have took your mother longer to do something better because you're kind of only half of what they are Uh, if you're happy and you know it, say amen. Yeah. I'm going to kill you in the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. You know, people, people can speak to you. And God holds you responsible for your response, not their words. I love what it says here in Zephaniah 1.7. This is a prophecy, by the way. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. And I do believe that. Hadn't happened yet. The Lord is coming again. Doesn't it make sense, church, that we be on the same page? Doesn't it make sense that we be united together and say, God, we can't wait to see your choice for Glendale Baptist Church? So here's the question, now what? And I'm done. And I put it in red. These are not the words of Jesus. These are my words. This is my application on it. You can come up with your own. But number one, God's in control. Amen? Literally, I don't want to be in charge anymore. I gave, a long, gave up a long time ago trying to tell my wife what to do. Amen, brother? Now I just simply say, yes, dear. And the toughest thing to say, guys, and you know this, is you're right. Wow. But God is always right. Amen? Always right. Secondly, don't panic. Some of you are wringing your hands saying, oh, my goodness, oh, I mean, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Let God work. Be quiet. Just listen to God. Don't panic. Because, by the way, you have some good leaders in this church. And your pastor search team is going to meet with me after the service. Not that I'm a candidate. But we're going to talk about how that process looks. Very important. Okay? Don't panic. Don't be overwhelmed. Thirdly, exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. In other words, simply trust God. Fourthly, watch God work. He knows exactly what you need and when. He's in charge of all the time on this planet. Matter of fact, the Bible says your times are in His hands. So God knows your birth date and your end date. So our times are in His hands. Be still. Don't try to fix it. And notice the last one. Let's read the last one. Let me move out of the way. What's it say? Pray. Pray, pray, your alignment with what? God's will. I'm just going to say this because I'm human. I get in trouble when I get out of alignment. Guys, you know what I mean. If you have a big truck like our brother here, when those tires get out of alignment, that whole truck, that whole car, I mean, something's wrong. You know it. It's just not working right. Saints, hear me. God wants you not to be afraid. God wants you to stand firm. God wants you to be silent. God wants you to let him work. And we need to be aligned. We need to be in that same path that he's leading us. And church, hear me. God's not done. He's not finished with you. He is coming again. And it makes sense that we find a man that God has already chosen who will help this church do great and mighty things that you did not know because of him. All right, let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've made. And Lord, I want to rejoice and be glad in it. I want to thank you for the privilege of standing in this pulpit. God, it brings back a lot of memories. And Lord, I can remember how stupid I was then in youth. And Lord, even how stupid I am today as an old guy. But God, help us as your people to understand even more now than ever that we need to just simply, don't be afraid, simply to stand firm to let you work. And most of all, to stop trying to fix it. Help us to be quiet. Only then can we hear that still small voice. Thank you for Glendale Baptist Church. Thank you for the men that they've invested in who've been shepherds. Lord, this church has sent a lot of men out to do a lot of great ministry. So, Father, this church has just been foundational in my life and the foundation of others. And, Lord, I know it seems like that here we go again. But yet, God, you have a greater plan. Forgive us for our doubts. Forgive us for our whining. But, God, we do come today and say thank you. And all the people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand.